Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined this week by Ricky Sanders, also from DailyRoto.com. Ricky, I'm not sure why, but a, a show that had <laughs> Drew and Mike on it last week, they, they just said, you know what? The people got Drew and Mike last week, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw them, Davis and Ricky, this week. Yeah, the coaching staff is probably going to immediately uh, regret this one, but we got the B team this week, and they gave it to us, so I guess you know, all forces are go this week. We don't have to hold back from one another because I don't think you or I are going to be mocking one another for some of the takes that we have, uh, which is going to make this an, an interesting podcast to say the least. Yeah. So for those who don't know what this podcast is, this is our free NFL DFS show, mostly going over tournament plays and tournament strategy. We are going to go game by game for all of the games on the main slate on Sunday. So Tampa Bay, Carolina, we are not going to be doing that here. Philadelphia, Atlanta, we're not doing that here. Cleveland and the New York Jets, we're not doing that here. Uh, The show's going to be in between 45 minutes and an hour long, kind of depending on how long we spend on each game, talking about some of the best tournament plays, some of the uh, best tournament strategy. So, Ricky, starting off, first game, San Francisco and Cincinnati. This is uh, this is really a game that's going to be a one, well, a two-player game for me, and that really depends on whether or not Joe Mixon plays. If Joe Mixon does not play, how comfortable would you be rolling Giovanni Bernard in fifty percent of your lineups at fifty-three hundred on DraftKings? Extremely comfortable. I think it was uh, Adam Pfeiffer who I just saw tweeted that he was, you know, the two weeks that Mixon missed earlier in the year last year. He was RB6. I think that was DraftKings scoring as well. He's a guy who's going to catch passes, uh, who's going to get a heavy workload, and I'm just not scared of the San Francisco defense. I know Jameis Winston looked horrendous last week, but I just don't have this defense pegged as a great unit. This is one of the games that has over 60 projected plays from both teams, which I was a little shocked at, but I know Dink uh, suggests that Cincinnati is a team that helps boost plays, and I'm just, you know, completely fine with Giovanni Bernard. I think that price tag is too cheap. And, like, you look at some of the other values that would be around that range, like Josh Jacobs. I don't think he has the pass-catching upside that Gio Bernard does, and I know that's kind of a DraftKings-specific thing, but that makes me feel a lot better about the floor. I think you could play both, don't get me wrong, but I think Gio Bernard would be a guy that I would, you know, have heavy exposure to, don't care about the chalk, just would figure it out from there. Yeah, I think he is just as good of a play as Austin Eckler was last week, as Tony Pollard would have been if Zeke missed that game. I think he is pretty clearly, uh, you know, one of the five best running back plays of the week. The only other player that I have much interest in in tournaments in this game is on the other side, George Kittle. Uh, last week had 13 and a half DraftKings points on 10 targets, was by by far the most targeted San Francisco player and actually had not one, but two touchdowns called back by penalty. Uh, Ricky, are you interested in John Ross, Tyler Boyd, uh, any of the, you know, Tyler Eifert, any of the secondary Cincinnati pass catchers? I, I am not too much into Boyd or Ross myself. 
Yeah, so I feel like you're buying a week late on Ross, which scares me a little bit. But heading into this year, PFF had San Francisco. It's like a bottom four secondary. I know Jameis couldn't take advantage last week. But he certainly looked like the focus of this offense in week one. And if you look back to last year in terms of, you know, DraftKings points, in terms of just overall efficiency, Tyler Boyd was much better with A.J. Green there as opposed to without. So it would not shock me if John Ross is going to be the number one receiver with him out. I actually am fine taking shots on him. I just would want there not to be carryover ownership, and I find it hard to believe that there wouldn't be. So i got to wait to see where we are in terms of ownership projections towards the end of the week. If we get him well under 10%, I'm in. If it starts to look like he's going to you know, have some of that carryover ownership, I might tone down my exposure. So this is one that I'm going to have to see where our ownership projections are. Uh, I think I would oh, I would be fine with it as long as it was in lineups with George Kittle, with Giovanni Bernard, and with one of Andy Dalton or Jimmy Garoppolo. I would only do it in game sacks. I would not use him as a one-off. That would be that would be like that would be the rule I would create in the optimizers. I just I just would not be much interested in him as uh, you know like just as as a one-off basically. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I. I mean, I think I would be a little bit more willing to do it as a one-off because uh, of the price tag and the, what I see is the potential upside against a bad secondary, but I would prefer to do it in a game stack build unquestionably. Yeah. Okay, so our next game that we are talking about here is the Buffalo Bills at the New York Giants. Uh, this is sort of an interesting game because just simply because Josh Allen continues to be one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think he also has a very obvious stack. So I think you can pretty much every week have, you know, if you if you just every week had three percent Josh Allen John Brown stacks that had that that is like tournament winning upside. But uh, Ricky, I am not much. I I really don't want to play Saquon this week. I, I think that pretty much every other running back is a better value. I think I'd rather play Zeke. I think I'd rather play Kamara. I think I'd rather play Dalvin Cook for what they cost. What do you think about Saquon? I mean, I've had faith in this uh, Bills defense since draft season. I was taking them as a defense one, even in 12-team leagues. I mean, uh, having a defensive tackle stud fall to you in the draft to where they were picking to what was already a good defense last year certainly helps. But the volume with Saquon is unquestionable. I mean, we had him last week for over an 80% you know, the market share of rushing touchdowns, a huge percent of their rushing market share as well, almost 26%. And I know we saw some Wayne Gallman late, but I am not overly concerned about that. Yeah, I, I think that's like whatever. Like Gallman's going to yeah. be in there and they're getting blown out. Like, it, it, yeah, that's fine. Exactly. In this game, we got a one and a half point spread. So I actually do like Saquon Barkley. I don't know if he's a guy that I'm going to be using in cash. I think I would rather spend elsewhere there. But for tournaments, just because of the, the overall volume, you know, uh, from doing this podcast last year, there were always spots where you're like, well, it's a guy against a good defense, but he's going to be touching the ball a lot. And I've just learned that when you have a guy with that sort of volume that I want to be in on it. But, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't want the exposure to the other guys. I just I think you're underselling Saquon a little bit for the matchup. But there are a lot of intriguing plays in this game. If this is going to, you know, kind of stay close. We did a baseball podcast the other day um, with, a, with a pair of bad teams. And, and Drew was kind of going over, you know, how it could go either way where you could play, you know, defense, basically the pitcher or the offense. And I think the same holds true for this game. This kind of feels like a Tigers, you know, uh, Kansas City game of at the NFL. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And then the other guy that I'm interested, I, I really like Evan Ingram in this game. He saw 14 targets, uh, like basically a 30% market share of the New York Giants targets. I think, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard might not even be active in this game. So I think Evan Ingram at 5,200, not only does he fill a tight end slot, uh, I, I think he just might be like, even if Evan Ingram was at wide receiver, I would have interest in him. So the fact that he fills a tight end slot makes me really into him both in like, uh, as a comeback with Josh Allen stacks and as a play in and of himself. Okay. So what did you make of this? You could call me an IU Homer. I'm sure anyone else I would do this podcast would do the same. But how about Cody Latimer with 56% of the team's air yards last week and potentially Sterling Shepard sitting this one out? I don't think anyone wants to play Giants pass catchers other than Evan Ingram. But if Sterling Shepard sits out this game, I know you could get the matchup with Tredavious White or whatever, but we're talking about a guy who is 3,700. Would you have any interest in all in Cody Latimer as like a long shot tournament guy? Because I almost feel like there's going to be like less than 1% ownership there. And if last week is it all a signal, it has some upside. Yeah, so the reason that I have interest in him is that I think there's going to be one under $5,000 wide receiver who just garners a ton of ownership, and that's Tyrell Williams. So I would just be looking for kind of any reasonable leverage play off of that. So like I like Latimer would be a guy that I would include in my pool, especially if when we get market shares updated and everything, he comes out as like a, you know, a top 40 value. Yeah, I think that's where I am. I know it seems like an off-the-board guy, but, I mean, they, they have to have someone other than Ingram and Barkley catch passes. I think Latimer would be my pick there. Yeah. Next game we have, this game is is really of low interest to me. Minnesota at Green Bay, a total of 44 and a half. Uh, last week, the Minnesota Vikings threw only 10 passes. One of those was a throwaway. Uh, the, the players that I want in this game are Dalvin Cook and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, I, I, I think even if we got the Vikings up to you know 30 passing plays or so in the optimizer, I still don't know how interested I would be in Diggs and Thielen, yes, we know that they're going to see a, a really large market share of targets of the team. But one, uh, you know, that you always have to remember with teams, how do they want things to go? And the Minnesota Vikings want to hammer the ball. That is like, that is what they want to do. They do not want to be throwing the ball to Diggs or Thielen 10 plus times a game to each of them. Completely agree. And just to kind of back up that point, uh, I mean, I was looking at the personnels earlier and Minnesota really didn't. I mean, we knew they were going to be a run heavy team, but, you know, the frequency of three wide receiver sets in week one, 21 percent. I mean, looking at the other teams, that was the second lowest, but the team that was lower was Arizona because uh, and I mean, they ran a ton of like four receiver sets. So Minnesota was the clear outlier in terms of teams that did not want to have their wide receivers on the field, which just shows you that there's going to be a lot of Kyle Rudolph, a lot of Irv Smith, 
and just a lot of formations where they try and pound the ball, you know, down the opponent. And how are they going to try and attack Green Bay? My thought would be you try and play keep away from Aaron Rodgers yet again. So I think it's probably a similar game plan this week. Now, if Aaron Rodgers throws a long touchdown early, uh, maybe there's a turnover. I think this game flow could go the other way and you could, you know, use a receiver. I like Thielen better than Diggs because I think Diggs could still be working through that injury. And we just know. Uh, from the past history, even from last week, that he's just ultra unproductive when there's any lingering issues with him. So I, I like Thielen quite a bit, but you need the game flow to go correctly. So to me, that's a clear tournament only play. And Delvin Cook, to me, is a guy who has a chance to, to be the RB1 this year. Like, I think this is legit. I think this system is built for him. And it's clear that that hamstring is healthy, which just hasn't been when he's been a professional. So I think he's one of the guys on my radar that like could be this year's, I don't know who is, I don't know, Saquon Barkley, whatever you want to call him, just a guy who's just a clear breakout. So Minnesota scheming around him. I think this is a good spot for them to play keep away. I just am going to keep riding the Dalvin cook trade. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that that is all pretty reasonable. I think Dalvin cook is an extremely good tournament play. Don't want to spend too much time on that game. Cause I just am not like there, there is a very, like that game, I think in the main slate with 13 games, I don't think that that is going to make my game stack pool. So next, moving to a game that for sure is going to make my game stack pool, at least on one side, Dallas uh, at Washington. They are four and a half point favorites. Uh, the total is kind of low, but Dallas's total is not low. Washington's is. Uh, I think Dak and Amari, Dak and Gallup, Dak, even if you wanted to go one with like Witten as one-offs, Randall Cobb as one-offs. And then, you know, you could bring that back with McLaurin, although I think McLaurin is going to be, McLaurin is going to be big time chalk. And uh, I probably would rather, like I I probably in the projections, I think I will boost Trey Quinn above him. What are your thoughts on this offense? Do you have any interest in trying to run McLaurin back? I do. I mean, this is a guy that, that I have been high on since the preseason. They promised an early season role for him, and we got it. But I agree with you. I think he is going to be extremely chalky. And with wide receivers, uh, I don't like to, to play the chalk there. I would much rather play it at running back where we have a lot more guaranteed volume. So I don't know if I'm necessarily going to boost Quinn above him. I just might negative boost McLaurin if it turns out that we are going to have massive chalk with him, which I, I'm on board with you. I know you're a huge Dallas fan, though. I don't remember if you tweeted it or put it in our group that you think they could sustain like five to six guys. I mean, Randall Cobb all of a sudden looked like a guy who was extremely healthy. This just feels like it's an offense that's going to be a little bit tough to predict. I mean, this is not a condensed offense where, you know, uh, like the passing game on uh, the Minnesota uh, Vikings last year where we had Thielen and Diggs every week. This is legitimately three receivers. It looks like we have two tight ends. You got Zeke, whose volume's only going up. Like, I, you kind of threw out a bunch of names, but like, what's the duo you feel best about here? Is it still Amari Cooper? I mean, Gallup was the guy who Pro Football Focus had, you know, as their top uh, graded player from last week. But like, where do you go with this offense? Like, who do you feel good about? Anyone in cash games? Uh, in cash games, there, there are such obvious values at wide receiver that I don't think any of these guys enter in. And just so, just so people know those obvious values, I, I'll give away two of the three. I'll give away two of the three. And if you want the more, you can go buy dailyroto.com. But the two obvious values in cash games this week uh, are Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyrell Williams. Those guys will be 
uh, above 50% owned in high stakes double ups and head to head. Like those, those guys are going to be really owned, but Gallup and Cooper, both of them are going to make my GPP player pool this week. And I think Randall Cobb might even as well, five targets, uh, you know, a high catch rate. And I, he just looked really good. Like he looked like healthy green Bay Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, caught four or five targets, uh, over 17 yards of reception. There was just a lot of targets to go around. I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five guys with at least three targets. Two of them were tight ends. Um, but I agree with you. So I know this is a, a, a tournament you know, podcast, so I didn't mean to throw you off with the cash games. But I think I'm setting a rule, minimum two pass catchers with Dak, which I didn't think would yes. be the case. To- no, as, totally, yes. As, as of last week. Dak was one of the guys that I screwed up with and didn't double stack. That is on this offense looks like this is something we have to do every single week. Yeah. You, so you'd set the key in the daily road optimizer. You'd key in Dak. So if Dak Prescott minimum to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and I would even throw Jarwin in there because he played more than I thought. And he, he wasn't blocking. He was only out there as a pass catcher. So I get, I, I would throw Jarwin in there, you know, just as a, uh, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm obviously being a little bit of a homer with this Dallas talk, but we've also seen Jarwin exploded in week 17 last week. He had like 45 DraftKings points. You know, he absolutely smashed. So uh, we are, I think we are all in on Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense this week. Moving to our next game, uh, we just saw one of these quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson. This is Jacksonville uh, at Houston. Uh, Houston is, uh, they have a massive team total, but Jacksonville has uh, a very low team total. So the, the, the overall total for this game is 43.5. Do you think that this game might end up overplayed relative to the low total? You know, we have the Jacksonville wide receivers all coming off of the big week. We have Watson on national TV with the smash, uh, Gardner Minshew. I think people might even roster at 4,800. What are your thoughts overall on this game? Yeah, I think it ends up overowned. Um, I mean, I do have some interest in Houston just because there's a crazy amount of talent on that offense. We saw, you know, Mahomes go to town in this defense last week, but overall, you look at the talents of the defense. I have a lot of respect for the corners. I mean, even their run defense, I expect to be in the top half this year. So it's just like, where do you go? We have a 2016 total for Houston. I'm just trying to feel who I, you know, you know, determine who I feel good about. I think Hopkins, even with tough corners on him, is a guy that I certainly have interest in. Wouldn't be surprised, though, if these secondary receivers are the one who garner, garner the ownership because of the funnel possibilities of, of Hopkins being covered. But if I ca- recall correctly, Hopkins has succeeded in very difficult matchups you know, over the course of the last few years to the point where we just don't worry about it. So I just am not sure who to identify as a target here. And on the other side, I know Minshew looked really good with an extremely high completion percentage. He completed at least, I think it was 10 of his first 10 passes, but just not a guy I want to rely on. I felt really good about D.D. Westbrook heading into the year. Then Foles suffers that injury. And I liked him because of the chemistry with Foles. I, I don't have any sort of faith of the chemistry with him and Minshew, which means that there's multiple receivers here, Conley, Chark, who are going to work their way in. And against Houston, I think this is just mostly a no thank you for me with Jacksonville offense. 
I will, I will probably rotate some of these guys in. I, I won't have Minshew in my player pool, but I will bring Watson back with, uh, you know, minimum, minimum to D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark, Chris Conley, and may, maybe I would even include mm, – maybe I would just make it min one with him instead of doing the, the, uh, the full-on game stack. What about Fournette? I mean, he yeah, did I mean, see- Fournette is an, a, a great play. He just did not leave the field. 13 rush attempts, six targets in the passing game. The, the problem you're going to have with him is just upside because the team total is not great. He's not very good, you know, so just kind of a tough, tough scene there. Agreed. I just always love these guys with volume who are going to be unowned. I think Houston projects as a tough run defense, but what I like about Fournette is he's playing passing downs as well. I mean, right ball Armstead, I think had one touch. So we are talking about, you know, last week, maybe 65% was the projection on Leonard Fournette in the rushing market share. I think he's going to be close to 80 when the projections come in this week, which is going to move him on up. And even in a tough spot, like I know you don't love playing running backs in spots with low implied totals because running backs correlate with implied totals. But I just think for a guy who never leaves the field, this is a tournament spot where if it's more competitive than we think, or if they're playing from behind and Fournette starts getting work in the short passing game, all of a sudden we're talking about a ceiling for a guy who you mentioned, I don't think is, you know, an extremely good player. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's true. Volume is just going to trump efficiency every single time. So, so I, I am completely on board with that. Uh, the one other take I would add for this game, I will probably be giving Will Fuller a boost in the projections uh, or maybe just bumping up his market share of targets. He just, he looked phenomenal. I know we only saw three targets in that game, but Will Fuller is just a guy who, who really does have tournament winning upside every single time he plays. So I, I think he is a guy who is extremely, Extremely likely to get overlooked for some of the other options priced around him. And uh, I think he makes a great stack and a way to make your Deshaun Watson lineups unique. Moving to the next game, actually, surprisingly for Detroit Lions game, a lot of guys to talk about in this game, but a, a total of 48. Yep. So, you know, not, not super low. Actually, one of, the, one of the higher of the main slate. I believe it's tied for fourth highest of the main slate of games. Uh, I, I think the Chargers wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, both of them are, uh, are going to be playable as well as Hunter Henry, as well as Austin Eckler. I think actually Austin Eckler to me is he's probably going to be my highest exposure running back of the week. Yeah, I'm glad you say this. I think my focus of my article, I haven't decided yet this week, is going to be this Chargers team. If there's a team on this slate that I feel good about as like a funnel-to-the-pass sort of defense, it's the Lions. And, I mean, you look at Kyler Murray last week, it just – kind of makes me feel good as you see the progression of him throughout the course of the game that first half six for 16 41 yards and interception obviously didn't look great um, with just a 19.8 quarterback rating but once he kind of started to started to figure it out and they made some adjustments in the second half how about 18 for 28 after halftime 183 yards and two touchdowns with a 106.7 quarterback rating you know running up the middle of this defense is going to be a tough task so I don't think Justin Jackson is going to be overly successful which means there'll be a lot of Austin Eckler on the field which means that most of Philip Rivers plays will be of the passing variety because I feel really good about either Eckler being the stretch guy in terms of running back or being his short target 
And now if Jackson has some issues running the ball, you're going to see a lot of Phillip Rivers throwing here. And like I mentioned, once Murray got it going, he was very successful. I mean, we had kind of a disappointing week from Mike Williams last week. So that is a guy that I'm kind of keying in here as a guy. Well, he, he, left with, he left with an ankle injury. So I'm okay. assuming that that is why. Of course. And then, I mean, Keenan Allen, I just like this entire offense. And Detroit's been an offense for multiple years now that we have felt pretty good targeting tight ends against. So Hunter Henry kind of had a week that was comparable to Travis Kelsey. So if you played him in cash, you weren't upset with it. But I think his upside certainly stretches far beyond that. So Phillip Rivers and, and Charger Stacks, I'm completely on board with. It's not just Eckler for me. I'm, you know, setting a minimum of two pass catchers. I'm including Austin Eckler in that, by the way. Like, yeah, I, would be I mean, he was one of – I think he had the third most targets on the team. Exactly. So I would be fine with like a Rivers, Eckler, Keenan Allen, especially if, you know, Mike Williams has any issues this week or Rivers, Eckler, Hunter Henry. I mean, those are stacks that I'm completely fine with. I just know that I'm excited about this team on the road. I mean, we, you got a dome too, so you don't have to worry about conditions, which I don't know if weather is going to be an issue as of right now. It doesn't look like there's too many spots, but it's always good to feel better about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually think you can bring, I think you can bring him back with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. I think Amendola yep. is of course likely to get, you know, way too much ownership after 13 targets, the long touchdown last week. I, I think a lot of guys are going to have their best game of the season against Arizona. Like we just, we just know that to be true, horrible defense, high pace, but I think Galladay certainly in play. Uh, do you think, I mean, is Hawkinson just going to be way too chalky, or is he like still decent at uh, at three K? You think? <laughs> so I was hoping you didn't ask me this question because last year I don't know if you know, but basically every podcast I was on, oh yeah, Gasicki season. Exactly. It was Mike Gasicki season for me as a rookie, and it just never happened. So now that there's a guy who looks like he could be this year's Gasicki. I am ready to hop on board. He's just not Mike Kosicki. So uh, because of the name, I, I'm not sure what to make of him. And because of the big week and just the history of, you know, rookie tight ends and not having production. The problem with that thought process to me is if you just say that rookie tight ends are never going to be good, you miss the outlier. And Hawkinson, obviously the first tight end taken, I think has a potential to be the outlier. I think he's a guy I will have minimal exposure to in tournaments just so I don't miss out. But I think I'm going to play the percentages here and that rookie tight ends aren't going to come out looking like Rob Gronkowski out of the gate. It just rarely ever happens. Yeah, I, I think the tight end player pool actually has so many good plays this week that you're losing some EV. And I don't think the Chargers are a stack where you were – you have to bring it back with uh, like more than one Detroit player. I think you could just do Galladay. I think you could just do Marvin Jones. I think you could just do, uh, if you are playing Danny Amendola, you could do it with that. But even that, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you necessarily have to do. So uh, moving into uh, another, another game, this game, uh, Ricky, I might, I might not play anyone from Indianapolis and Tennessee. I, I think this game with, uh, with the total of 44 and a half, Seems to me like, you know, maybe the only play here is, is Derrick Henry. And I, I never play Derrick Henry. Yeah, and I mean, the, the snaps last week weren't great for Henry. Uh, where is this? I have it on here. Here we go. We've got uh, last week, Henry, 36 total snaps, all offensive. Deion Lewis, 26. So it's close to, you know, a bit of a 50-50 there. But I think against Indianapolis, I'm completely fine with that. The, the guy who's, you know, questionable for me to add to the player pool 
is A.J. Brown. I don't know how you feel about him, but, I mean, big boy, 6'1", 230. You look at his final season in college, 85 passes for 1320 on the same team that had D.K. Metcalf, who did, you know, only play seven games. But, I, you know, watching that game, he kind of looked like a true number one to me, which is weird because they have Corey Davis. And I know our projections last week were pretty fond of Corey Davis. I'm really looking forward to see where they come out once we have the update uh, with the market share between Brown and between Davis because I think that we might be slow to adjust to him being the guy here. And if that's the case, he's another guy who I would feel fine adding to the player pool. I just worried that the volume could shift back to Corey Davis this week, and it could be a little bit of a flash in the pan early this year. I'm pretty confident over time A.J. Brown is going to be at least a legitimate you know, compliment to Corey Davis. I just am not sure the one-week sample if I'm overreacting or not. Ricky, you would never do that. You would never overreact to <laughs> a small sample of games. I don't. It doesn't sound very much like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, quoting a guy's size to give his stats, that, that's something I would never do, except for the fact that I did it five seconds ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably am unlikely to play Corey Davis or A.J. I mean, I would be more likely to play Corey Davis than I would be to play A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown probably is not – I mean, he's not going to enter my player pool. I, I am almost certain of it. And, uh, you know, this game is just not going to be high on my priority list of, of games I want to target regardless. So, uh, you know, like, like I said, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, this is one of the few weeks of the year where I can see Derrick Henry being in a comfortable spot of both ownership and projection, just because this would be, you know, the ideal Derrick Henry game script in theory with them as a home favorite. Yep. Uh, okay, so moving on to the uh, moving on to the next game. This game could actually theoretically have uh, you know some big game stack potential. A lot of guys that we want to play uh, Seattle at Pittsburgh, and the reason why I say theoretically is I don't think that we will project it that way. I think that we will have Seattle for a really heavy run split. I think that we were, are going to have a hard time making sense of the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf targets. However. Seattle, I think if they're going to trail, I think there's a chance that they turn more into, you know, a, a 21st century offense. Yeah, and Pittsburgh is another offense with the potential to be a funnel to the pass sort of defense. I mean, last week, the Patriots were basically able to do whatever the hell they wanted against them. I would assume adjustments are made this week. But heading into the, this year, these were two secondaries, by the way, that ranked in the bottom five, according to Pro Football Focus. So I'm still mad at myself for not going with John Ross. I drafted John Ross a lot of places. I was on Seattle being an iffy secondary and I think I had like two shares and 150 runs. So it just was nowhere near enough. This week, I may make a bit of an overcorrection. You talked about Juju Smith-Schuster being one of your favorite plays on the slate and being you know, a cash game guy. I want him in tournaments as well. I also have a lot of interest in James Washington. I mean, I forgot who tweeted it. That, that he, Dante, You're such a fish. I mean, Dante Moncrief had one of the worst receiving games ever seen last week. I mean, he yeah, but teams just, don't, teams just don't bench guys that fast. And James Washington didn't play that much and is their fourth wide receiver. Ryan Switzer was more like Ryan Switzer was more involved than James Washington. John Ross was receiving targets down the field. He was their average leader in, what was it, air yards per target last week. So I'm willing to take shots on Washington. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is probably going to be my highest-owned receiver, potentially even over the Patriots guys. 
because I'm wondering if people, you know, kind of lose hope a little bit. I hope his foot injury leaves him like questionable and he's, you know, a last second play to kind of tone down that ownership. But Juju Smith-Schuster was a guy that I had pegged as like a top two lock receiver this year, a guy who could flirt with 200 targets. I'm not wavering because of a bad game where just the whole offense looked out of sorts. I mean, the running back situation looks like it's going to be a little bit more complicated than we thought. So I want these receivers. Call me a fish if you want. Washington will be in my pool, but we definitely agree on Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, what uh, what can I do? I think I think a much more I think a much more interesting question for this game is James Conner. So James Conner played only forty four percent of the snaps last week. Jalen Samuels played thirty three percent. They were going five wide a bunch, uh, and I think it's hard to say is that a trend of the game? Is that something that we're going to expect for the rest of the season? Because Conner was a guy whose ADP started to absolutely skyrocket towards the end of season-long draft season. And, uh, you know, after a one-game sample, that looks pretty bad, not based on his output, but based on his usage on the field. Yeah, I mean, you look at the offensive snap percentage, 46.3 for James Conner. Is that something you even envisioned in, like, the realm of possibilities if you were drafting James Conner to 32.8 for Jalen Samuels? If the game does happen to go the other way, I worry a little bit that we'll see Samuels on a bunch of passing downs, which was not the way that they used Connor last year. Last year, he was game flow independent. It didn't matter what happened. You were seeing Connor 90% of snaps. This year, if it's going to be a little bit different, I don't know what to make of Connor. I'm with you. I don't think he's a guy that's going to make my player pool. I, I just I, – I see – 10 to 15 guys who are better values and and I like condensing running back pools. So I think I'm out on him. I, I will not be out on him. I, I will not be, I will not be dissuaded by the, uh, by the one week sample in, in what was probably going to be new England's worst game of the year. I think that uh, last week was just a weird game. He was still targeted four times in the, uh, the passing game and he received 10 of the Steelers, 12 running back carries. I think he's still pretty clearly the primary running back there. Home favorites. This is, uh, you know, a much more favorable script. We know that the Steelers are historically under Ben Roethlisberger way better at home, especially over the last five years. And uh, so I, I think this is sort of an interesting game to game stack, though. So you could set it up where if you had Russell Wilson, you would you would key in, you know, minimum. Min, if you wanted to go your way, you could do minimum two, uh, Dante Moncrief, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ryan Switzer, even include Vance McDonald in there. Uh, if you had Ben Roethlisberger, you could say, uh, you know, min two of the same guys and then add in Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. And I don't think this game will be like super chalk. I think maybe people will feel a little bit burnt with Tyler Lockett last week. I, I think... Chris Carson is is going to be an interesting guy because he got seven targets, ran a route, on, or was targeted on 41% of his routes ran. Uh, if that is consistent week over week, Carson is way underpriced. Agreed. And honestly, I didn't realize this DraftKings price on James Conner is under 7K. So there's been kind of some overcorrections on these guys. I was looking at projections without prices like a donkey. 6,800 is a price tag. I would have some interest in him. So I, I just want to, you know, go there with that one. I think Aaron Jones is another guy who was overcorrected. You got him at 5,400. And Carson is a guy that may not have corrected enough. I mean, I just don't really have too much to say about Carson. I think that workload is going to be the norm for him. Rashad Penny clearly not eating into his workload, which was the only concern coming into this year. I think Pittsburgh is going to be a tough, you know, rushing defense. But we saw last week that, 
you know, with a good scheme and with decent volume, and you know, backs can get it done. I mean, Rex Burkhead looked incredibly good against them in the second half. Again, I think it's Pittsburgh's worst game of the year, so I think they come out more competitive this right. week. But but Carson is a guy clearly in the pool. All right, so game of the week. Arizona versus Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is by far our highest projected player on Daily Roto, even projected for more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes. Threw 20 passes last week, five touchdowns, ran only three times for six yards. Uh, How much Lamar Jackson are you going to have? Which wide receivers do you want to stack him with? And which side of Arizona plus 14 do you take? Ugh. This one is really tough for me because I know you and I are both Kyler fans. You got Jimmy Smith going down for the Ravens, but that's a really deep secondary. So even with him down, I expect it to be a top, you know, 10% secondary. Uh, I mean, I was off the Lamar Jackson stacks last week. I ran a lot of naked Lamar Jackson, which obviously ended up beating me. And I wish I had read, there were some articles out there that I read during the week about how Lamar Jackson last year on first down was very successful passer. And then as he got in like obvious passing downs, he became less and less successful. And it looks like the team has learned from that. And if that's going to be the case, Lamar Jackson has a legitimate threat to be the number one quarterback in fantasy football this year. Arizona's defense was one that was graded, you know, bottom two overall by pro football focus heading into the year. Patrick Peterson being suspended doesn't help their cause at all. You know, the Lions looked like a top tier offense last week. So I think Lamar Jackson is going to be chalky, but when you have a guy that could rush for 100 yards or throw for 300 yards, I just can't talk myself off fading that sort of chalk. I, the one thing I will say is Marquise Brown played so few snaps last week with the success. I think he's going to be the top-owned pass catcher. I think I'd rather go in some other directions. Like I might give him a bit of a negative boost to see if I can get some Lamar Jackson pools with, you know, differentiated pass catchers. Like I'm fine with Mark Andrews. I'm fine with Boykin. I'm fine with some of these other guys. I just wouldn't want to go into a a tournament set this week and just have all my Lamar Jackson lineups also feature Marquise Brown, because I think he just had such a limited opportunity. I would guess that's going up in the future. But I just don't think that's like his lock-on wide receiver one for the rest of the year. I think there's certainly plenty of potential other outcomes. A 30, you know, implied total. I do think it's possible we see his legs more this week. So he's not a guy that I'm auto-double stacking. He's a guy that I will single stack, have at least one of his pass catchers, and hope that some lineups catch at least multiples just in case his passing is for real, which honestly I do think is a possibility. Yeah, no, I think I think all of that is relatively spot on. I, I am not going to not play Marquise Brown this week, but I probably am going to give uh, a small boost or maybe some market share of target adjustments to Willie Sneed. Uh, the guy who I would not be yep. interested so much in playing is going to be Mark Andrews because I think he's going to be super chalk at a position where chalk is very, very, very rarely rewarded. And there are, you know, probably five tight end plays that I would prefer to play over him. Uh, I I think the more interesting question though, is how many people play Arizona players at Baltimore? You know, how many people are playing Keyshawn Johnson who had 10 targets last week? How many people are playing Christian Kirk who had 12 targets and, uh, you know, was one of the air yard leaders of the week? How many people are going to play Kyler? How many people are going to play David Johnson? You know, I, I think the thing about this offensive system is it can still produce usable fantasy weeks in weeks where the team loses by 14. 
Yeah, I'm a little torn here. I think David Johnson is my favorite play on this side of the ball because if the game goes in an unexpected way, I think he, he'll see some rushing volume. It's clear that he's going to be active in the passing game. If you watched last week, I think was it a game-tying touchdown that he caught? But either way, I think he's the one I feel best about. The thing that throws a wrinkle in it this week for me is Michael Crabtree expected to be active. I don't know where he slates in here. I'm pretty sure, you know, Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, those guys are above him. I don't even know where Keyshawn Johnson versus Michael Crabtree will be this week. So just a 17 total plus a little bit more unsurety makes me a little bit uneasy, although I would like to lead the Kyler bandwagon. I'd like to be ahead of the train there. I'm not sure this is the matchup for it. I I am going to be including all of these guys in my player pool, Kyler, DJ, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. Uh, like, so I, I just because I think that the upside for because the, the Ravens run a lot of plays too. So I think this could just be a game where maybe, you know, maybe Arizona only scores two touchdowns, but I think there's a chance that some of these guys just get there on sheer plays ran. Who, uh, who does Crabtree fell in for? Because I'll give you the snaps last week 83 snaps for Kirk, 85 for Fitzgerald, which was 95%. Uh, Bird, 78, 68 for Keyshawn Johnson. Does he just replace Bird? Like, I mean, is Crabtree even active for sure? That that Here, the last update was he's expected to be active this weekend. My guess is is that he probably rotate. He probably just replaces Demir Bird, yeah. Okay, so if that's yeah. the case, then I would feel a little bit more confident with some of these other guys. Yeah, like I, like I don't think it's going to – like I don't think he would rotate away. I don't think he'd take Christian Kirk out of the game or anything like that because they just played 10 personnel the whole game. Like they, they, they were just – they were just straight going. Like they weren't even I, – I think, I think I saw that Charles Clay played like 10 sna- – oh, yeah. So Max Williams played 22. Charles Clay played 14. So that means on 80% of their plays there was uh, – wow, that means that they were in 10 personnel – 80% of the time. That's way more than any other NFL team, not even close. I've got them at 67%, but it's still uh, the second team in terms of 10 personnel, 21% the LA Rams. Yeah, so just absolutely massive. Yeah, so that uh, that definitely should give you an indication of how much those guys are playing. The last 1 p.m. game, New England Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. I think the only playable Dolphin is Devontae Parker, probably. Uh, and I, 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 I'm interested in Josh Gordon and that's it. I, I, I'm a little interested in Sony Michelle for tournaments that I guess that's really about it in this game. Like it seems crazy with the Patriots, such a high team total, but I probably won't play much Brady probably won't play any James White won't play any Julian Edelman. Why no Edelman may I ask? Um, so just like looking at the wide receiver position, uh, I'd rather play Kenny Galladay. Uh, I would rather play Tyler Boyd. I would rather play Amari Cooper, just kind of in those similar price ranges. And just in terms of, you know, you can't play infinity lineups. And Julian Edelman is so reliant on volume because he's not going to score touchdowns. He's very rarely drawing live for the 100-yard bonus. So in a game where you project them to be up by a lot, you you really – he just needs to score. And And I just – like, I think he's behind the pecking order in terms of scoring. I don't know. The Patriots are a team that uses the short passing game as the running game. And even when they're up, this is the like the team in the league that I feel the most confident continuing to pass. 
And if we're if we're talking FanDuel, I can certainly understand on DraftKings where you get the hundred yard bonus and the PPR. I think Edelman's a guy who's got to be in your player pool. If on FanDuel you wanted to take that stand on him where it's much more touchdown centric, I think that makes a ton of sense. But on a site where he could catch, you know, eight for one thirteen and be in the winning you know, even the million winning lineup without a touchdown. I think that's a bit of a scary proposition to me. He is definitely a guy I'm keeping in. Yeah. I mean, I just, and that's just like kind of like a personal player pool decision. I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, that I'm necessarily right about that. I just also, this game just offers so few stacking options that I just am not particularly interested in much of anyone outside of Josh. Like Josh Gordon is my favorite play from this game. And that's just kind of it for me in terms of like what I'm doing with this game in tournaments. Oh, I don't disagree with you at all for tournaments. Definitely. The, the, just the thing is, if you're looking for a combination of floor and ceiling, 67 snaps for Edelman was 96% Gordon 49. We know when he's in, he gets the downfield looks, but a lot of Edelman on the field with Brady, still no Antonio Brown, no Gronkowski. It's clear that he's, you know, one of the first two looks. Yeah. Um, all right, so this is the this is the bonanza game, fifty two and a half or fifty two total, depending on which book. Actually, even fifty three on uh, on points bet, another legal New Jersey book. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they're at Oakland. Patrick Mahomes is the most expensive quarterback. Uh, he had an ankle sprain, but think he's going to be fine. Tyreek Hill is out for this game. Josh Jacobs is 4,700. Tyrell Williams is 4,400. Darren Waller is super cheap at the tight end position, 3,300. Uh, Sammy Watkins is 7,200. How, how do we begin attacking this game in tournaments, Ricky? I am not 100% sure. And, like, you look back to last week and all those Jacksonville guys got it done. Like, is it possible for Oakland to recreate that? I feel like some of these guys might get more ownership than they deserve. I'm just trying to determine who it is. Tyrell Williams, a clear number one receiver. Darren Waller looks like a lock to break out this year. You know, Jacobs is a guy who looks like RB1 in terms of workload. But are all these guys going to get it done against Kansas City? The thing with Kansas City last year, I think they were 28th in time of possession, despite the fact they scored so many. It was 26th in terms of time of possession, despite how many points they scored, because they often scored so quickly that they would be giving the ball back to the opponent in no time. Now, without Tyreek Hill, I think that actually might uh, be a bad thing for Oakland because that takes away the possibility of the long score a little bit. I mean, if you believe in Nicole Hardman, maybe it does not, but it's just something to keep in mind. I just don't know how much Oakland I feel comfortable with. I almost want to set a max of two Oakland players. And even that might be a lot if we get a game that's just a Kansas city role. So I'm, I'm curious where you stand on this. I know I feel really good about Kansas city players. Like last year, uh, I think it was the 333 on DraftKings. I had a Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, you know, smash. And I would have won had a running back of mine not leave the game in the first quarter. Like if I got like 12 fantasy points out of him, it would have been like a 100K lineup. So I still remember that one. I feel completely comfortable with all these Kansas City guys. And I'm really curious where Mecole Hardman, you know, fits in when we get the the update and projections, because you look at the, the snaps last week, 65 for Watkins, 53 for Hardman. I feel very confident. Most are going to want to go back to Watkins, which is going to leave some room for, you know, profit potential with Hardman. 
I just don't know what to do with Oakland. So I open up the floor to you, sir. Uh, I am I am going in on all of these players. I will be playing Tyrell Williams. I will be playing Darren Waller. Uh, I will be playing Josh Jacobs a ton, like a ton, because I I think the the well such an interesting uh, concept with Jacobs because we, he just dominated all the snaps and carries last week. Saw only one catch in the passing game, so we don't really know what's going to happen when they're down fourteen. My guess, my assumption is that the snap share is going to stay relatively the same and that Josh Jacobs will still be used in the passing game. If I'm wrong, he's going to be this horrible play who gets like six carries for 18 yards and he's going to be, you know, he's just going to go full uh, Derrick Henry on me. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Tyrell, Tyrell is the best value at wide receiver. Jacobs, I think, is the best value at running back if you assume he stays on the field when they're down that much. Uh, on the Kansas City side, uh, Watkins is one of the best values of the week at wide receiver. Uh, I'm probably a little bit more interested in using Demarcus Robinson than I am in McCole Hardman because the, the, you know, just the cost, if you're wrong, is a little bit less. You know, those Demarcus Robinson lineups could still cash even if he only sees three targets. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously is going to see a big uptick in targets as well. And I, I think one of the under-discussed things is I actually think Damian Williams is a, a winner of the Tyreek Hill injury because he saw six targets in the passing game last week. LaShawn McCoy saw only one. I know people say that McCoy looked better, but Williams is pretty clearly to me the guy who's going to be more involved as a receiver. That's a that's a very good call. It'd be interesting to see if they move him around. I know we saw some other backs last week lining up in the slot quite a bit. I, I know Williams had at least a few snaps as a receiver as he moved out of the backfield. So it will be interesting to see what his volume is there. What do you think of exposure level for Travis Kelsey? Because it, like you mentioned, there are a lot of options at the tight end this week, a lot of which are cheap, a lot of which flashed in week one, a lot of which people will be going back to. Travis Kelsey, $7,300 on DraftKings with no Tyreek Hill. I think he'll be the highest owned tight end, but I'm not sure it'll be by the margin that he probably should be as people look to go back to some of the one-week wonders. I think... My initial thought is boost the hell out of Travis Kelsey and have him be by far my number one exposure tight end to be ahead of the field. Uh, the the issue with that for me is I really like Ingram. Like I really like Evan Ingram, who is cheaper. I really like George Kittle. Uh, if Mike Williams does not play, I think Hunter Henry is kind of in that same echelon. And, and I just think those guys are such good plays that it's going to be hard for me to go like, you know, 50% Travis Kelsey or something like that. I think a lot of people are going to think like that. So I may be on the 50% Travis Kelsey side of that. Yeah. Um, all right. So is that is that is that all we have on the the game of the week? Our our next game. Our well, our next game. Some people probably think this is game of the week: the New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams. But for me, I, I think this game is pretty straightforward. I think Kamara is actually the best play in the running back pool because they're just going to need him more on the road than they would in in most home games. Uh, I am not interested at all in playing Gurley. And Michael Thomas, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup uh, are all good plays to me. And the only tight end I think I want to play in this game is Tyler Higby. 
Yeah, I mean, it was more the same with the Rams, which was good news. I mean, all over 90% snaps once again, which was exactly what you wanted to see if you, you know, drafted Rams in your seasonal. Uh, actually, 89.6, so I rounded up with Cooper Cups. Apologies to those of you who are, you know, stout in terms of the details. But looks like a, a complete, you know, uh, over, uh, re- repeat, I should say, of last year. I'm with you on Gurley. I mean – Malcolm Brown looks like he is splitting with him. Gurley did look good on the touches that he had. I think he had close to 100 yards from scrimmage in the touches that he did have. But to me, they would be using him like a workhorse if that knee was completely healthy. There would be no splitting with Malcolm Brown. There would be 20-plus Gurley touches if there was nothing to worry about here. So I am still going to be on team. There is something to worry about with Todd Gurley until he proves me wrong. On the New Orleans side of things, I almost wish one of us was podcasting with Dink so I could say something that I know would have annoyed him is that Taysom Hill is here, so you can pretty much cancel Drew Brees for the rest of the year. I of I course mean, am- here, I'll, I'll, I'll tilt Drew even more. You can cancel Drew Brees. <laughs> you can cancel Drew Brees on the road. Chances of me playing Drew Brees on the road are 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 zero. I, I just I mean, like I just I just won't do it. I, I would rather play golf. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I'm completely kidding when it comes to that. But, I mean, Taysom Hill is working into their red zone packages, which will be annoying just in general. But when you have them in the Coors field of fantasy football at home, at least you're willing to take that chance. You know that Drew Brees is just more likely to to produce. You got the 300-yard bonus, which he often will get to. But on the road, I, I don't love it. I mean, Michael Thomas, Elvin Kamara, certainly guys I want in my player pool – I'm more likely to play some of those secondary guys when I feel better about Breeze at home. And I liked Jared Cook in that, you know, short slate. He is a guy that I am somewhat high on this year. But with all these other tight ends to choose from, and like I mentioned with Travis Kelsey, to me being the guy above the field, I think he just kind of falls into the mid-tier of of what is a deep tight end pool and just not a guy that I'm going to have too much of. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cooks is like, he's that he's not going to make my pool. There's, there's no way 40, 4,700 for him. Uh, that's $500 less than Evan. In- like Evan Ingram is my straight up favorite tight end play of the week. So I just, I just, I mean, maybe Cook would make it in like some game, like I'm not going to nuke him or whatever, but uh, it feels unlikely that he is going to make it into my player pool. Uh, I, I am interested in playing all of the Rams wide receivers though. And I think that Brandon Cooks is a guy who is just never owned, and uh, you know I, I just think his ceiling is so high, and uh, a revenge game for him. There you go. So that's uh, that's all we need. We just need we need revenge game narratives here. Uh, our last <laughs> game, uh, our last game. There's one play that I like from uh, from the Chicago Bears visiting the Denver Broncos. Do you think? I bet you can guess it. I'm. Gonna guess Allen Robinson. The Denver Broncos defense? Oh. <laughs> uh, can I just tilt for a second, by the way? Of course. What, what is it with Nagy and not calling run plays when he is behind? Did you see the play calling in the second half last week? He did not call a single run after 10 minutes in the third quarter. This has been an ongoing theme of him since he's been with the Bears. When he falls behind, he just forgets that running is a possibility. After that time, there was a Mitch Trubisky scramble, but he just completely abandoned it like he did all of last year. This is a game where they should be playing from ahead, but the way they used the backs this week, you know, last week, I don't think you can go ahead and just like full-blown trust 
David Montgomery because you think the game flow is going to be better this week. I just wish that Nagy would learn from his mistakes and still commit to the run game when they're behind. It's just really hard to watch the Bears when they are trying to make, you know, Trubisky for a half, be like on pace for like a a 60 attempt sort of quarterback. It just doesn't work that way. I can't believe that you're coming on this podcast and arguing that a team needs to establish the run when they're down. Come on, Ricky. They don't need to ETR that bad. They don't need to establish the run. I think maybe a minimum threshold of five rushing attempts and a half would satisfy me <laughs> as opposed to two. But come on, just completely abandoning it was a little ridiculous. Uh, I like the Bears' defense in this one too, by the way. Joe Flacco over the course of the last four years, the lowest yards per attempt of any qualified starter. He's at six point, uh, I think it's 6.3 again this year. Uh, he just looks bad. I know Cortland Sutton looked good, but I've – faith that this Bears defense, which is really strong in all aspects, uh, will give him fits. We'll be right in his face. You got Mac up front. Uh, you got a pretty good secondary as well. I like the Bears defense as well as I like Denver defense. I know the Bears defense is expensive and they're on the road, but I think they're definitely still a defense that I have interest in just because I still think Joe Flacco looks very, very mediocre. Uh, so the reason, uh, the reason why I am touting the Denver defense is obviously Trubisky looks horrible. Uh, good for one LOL worthy interception a game just about, but, uh, traveling to Denver at the beginning of the season, is just like a death trap. Like teams are so bad. Uh, like Denver is like, has some crazy record, like 20 and two or something in the, in their home openers, just cause the altitude messes with visiting teams. So that's the, that's the narrative I'm bringing to the show. No interest in Denver pass catchers at all, like to try and get lucky for one of them to have a game. It did look like Sutton is kind of a new player this this year. Um, to me, looked like they're clear number one, even though Emmanuel Sanders scored the touchdown. And if they're playing from behind, there will be some pass call. I guess it's a three-point spread, so it's not a guarantee they'll be playing from behind. But Sutton and Sanders, both exactly 57 snaps. And to me, Sutton passed the eye test. I'm like debating having tiny exposure to him, but clear I don't want any of the backs. I don't even think I want any of the tight ends here, even though Noah Fant is like the other guy who could potentially be the guy I wish Kasicki was last year. I mean, uh, we liked Hireman on Monday Night Football. He was just nowhere to be found. It was Noah Fant playing a majority of the snaps. I think Hireman played like two or three offensive snaps the entire game. So I want to think that, Cortland Sutton has some carryover potential. It's just a brutal, brutal matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, it's, it's very deep for guys. But I mean, Sutton is going to see, you know, some sort of projectable, repeatable volume. But just super low total game, just going to be kind of gross. Probably, probably just not, uh, you know, just not super interested. Forty two hundred though on DraftKings. I will say that. Yeah, no, he he probably he probably makes the player pool. So that uh, that is going to do it for us here at the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. We went through game by game. If you're interested in checking out some more of the projections and tools that Ricky and I were talking about, you can get 10% off of Daily Roto using the promo code LAUNCH and uh, come and join us for the rest of the season.